I'm up here with my beautiful bride, Christy, and uh, we, she, wore, she was not supposed to wear heels today. That was the deal. So, she, so much for that one. <laughs> All right, so if I'm on my tippy toes, you'll know why, because um, she can't be taller than me. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we just felt like as we kicked off this new year, um, we wanted to share together just some things that, uh, that the Lord is putting on our heart, uh, not only for this church, but I feel like for this region uh, and for the nation. Uh, and uh, so we get, to, we get to share with you this morning. And, and I think we could probably share for a long time. We won't do that. Um, Christy will keep us on track here. Uh, true. But, uh, but I want to just start in prayer again. I just, I, I feel like... Um, we don't have this all figured out. We, this is not something we've rehearsed or practiced. We just sat in a prayer room and began to kind of just go through and just press into what the Lord has for us. And, and even um, really it hit us on Saturday uh, was really where I felt like we got this download uh, of what the Lord has for us in this season. One of the things that the Lord has for us in this season. But um, I, I believe it's very important for where we're going. If we don't have this, where we're going to talk about here um, it's going to be a, t- a tough ride this year. And uh, so, Lord, we just, we thank you for your voice. Lord, we thank you for your rhema word. Uh, it says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Lord, I thank you that we have this, this, this written word that is with us that, that sets a guide to our feet. It, it's a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. <laughs> I thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes and, and, and speaks truth into us and sets us on the right course. So Lord, we, we just honor you this morning. Holy Spirit, we honor you. Jesus, we honor you. Father, we honor you this morning. Our hearts are so turned towards you. Lord, I thank you that this is a new year that we're moving into. Things are shifting. Lord, I thank you that it's eyes on you Lord, help us by your spirit, not by our own power or might, but by your spirit. May we, may we walk in lockstep with you. So Lord, I pray that even this morning, just as we speak, Lord, that, that you would speak through us. Lord, that the things that you want released this morning would be released. And if there's other things, Lord, let them just fall by the wayside. Uh, we only want to speak what you have for this morning. So I pray that all our agendas would go out the door. Lord, your agenda would take precedence. You would have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Well, as we kind of got to the end of what we felt like the Lord was leading us into, um, we kind of came up with a title. I I did. I called it, uh, uh, what did I call it? Unconditional Surrender. And uh, let me say, so I'm just going to speak a a couple things prophetically here, and then um, we're going to just kind of go back and forth and see how this goes. Uh, But uh, there's been a number of words uh, about a a shift, that things things are shifting, and, and then we're feeling this acceleration, that things are about to accelerate. Also feeling that there's a, a shaking that's going to happen that's greater than, than anything that we've seen uh, or experienced in the past. 
And I know that can immediately bring fear in, like, oh, no. Uh, but I think we've got to remember that we've been prepared for this, hopefully. That's as we're this past year and even the past two years, a couple years, we've been in this season of prepare, prepare, prepare. And, and it's, there was three things. It was prepare hearts, that, that we would prepare the hearts of people, that we would then prepare wineskins, and then we would prepare the worshipers. And we're all worshipers. Uh, there is those that will worship in spirit and in truth. And so he's bringing us into this deeper place of, of worship is not a Sunday morning uh, singing songs. Worship is a lifestyle of laying our lives down. At the end of the day, worship is dying to yourself. That's worship, that you become a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, a spiritual act of worship. That's the place of worship. So sometimes we, sit, we think of worship as just songs. It is awesome to sing and to, to worship in a sense and to praise the Lord. That's not what I'm referring to here. I'm referring to a laid down sacrificial worship of our lives being his <laughs> on the altar, which means that nothing is yours any longer. Uh, and it's not what a lot of the church preaches these days, um, sadly. And so it causes a lot of confusion in the church. Um, so one of the things the Lord was saying, I felt, was that um, before it was a time to prepare, now it is a time to be prepared. So we're moving kind of from one season into another season. And that there's a, the word that's used, well, it's in English is time, but it's, it's in the Greek, it's kairos, typically. There's krotos and kairos, but if you look at a lot of the passages, it's actually kairos time, which is the opportune time, but the word also means season. And it's a, it's a new season that we're stepping into. Uh, as I, I mentioned a little bit as earlier in the service, but there are, there are seasons that the Lord has us in, uh, and then he moves us into new seasons. And we have to be so careful that we do not get caught in a rut of old seasons, that we do not go back to the things of old. Let me just take you uh, to, to Isaiah 43, and then just tap on me anytime. Yeah. Um, Isaiah 43, you guys have heard this, but I want you to kind of hear it again for the first time, because it's going to be critical this year. It's going to be critical in the coming season that we're in. And it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And I hear over and over again, even like when we look at revivals, there are things, we're going to talk a little bit about Reese House. And uh, this guy, um, I feel like there's some, there are some road, it's, it's kind of a roadmap into some things that the Lord is leading us into. But we have to be careful not to get caught in to go, oh, the Lord's going to do it this way. You know, we see Jesus Revolution, the movie, and we go, okay, now we know what to do. We're prepared. We're ready. I can tell you whatever the Lord's going to do, we're not going to be prepared here. We're going to be prepared here because it's going it's to confuse us. We think that, oh, we've got it this time. <laughs> we never have it because his ways are not our ways. And so if we're not careful and we operate from this place up here and we're trying to reason things out, we're going to actually miss a great move of the Spirit 
And, it, and oftentimes it happens in the midst of the greatest upheavals and shakings and things that are happening. And so what can happen is that we're not actually focused on Jesus. We're not focused on what he's doing. We're focused on the waves. There was something that I was reminded of uh, just this morning and, and in the back room. And I've been talking about one of the words the Lord gave me was to, it's time to get out of the boat. Boats are man-made. They're man-made structures. And just as Peter was called out of the boat, the, the Lord was saying, look, when you're in the boat, it's a man-made structure and it can be something that you're comfortable with. I'm comfortable in the boat. The waves are all around me, but I'm in the boat. But Jesus wasn't in the boat, he was on the waves. And the Lord said, I'm, I've created the waves. I've created you to walk on waves, not to sit in a boat that was created by man. There's a, there's a fear of the Lord that he's calling us to that goes beyond our own reasoning that we say, no, I'm going to step out into something that doesn't make sense because I can't walk on water in the natural. But when I hear the Lord's call to step out into something and to get out of a boat, you better get out of the boat. I believe this is a season where the boats are going to get crushed. Things that we thought were going to be safety zones for us and places of, of comfort and places that we can kind of go back to and say, well, if I'm, if I'm here in this boat, then everything's going to be okay, even with the storms around me. The problem is, is when those man-made boats get crushed, what are you going to do? I don't want any of us to be in the wreckage. I want us to be already walking on the waters. I want us to understand how to step out of these boats and understand the very calling, the very thing that we're called to is operating in the supernatural where he says, come up here. This is where we operate from a different level. There will be storms around us that we will face. And I promise you, if your eyes are not on Jesus, you're going to sink. It's going to be a bad day for you. And I've seen it already. I'm like... We just got a tremor with COVID. It wasn't even a shaking. If we think that was a shaking, huh? And everyone's like, oh, it's finally over. Oh, no. No, 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 no. There are greater shakings coming. He says, I will shake everything that can be shaken. And the only things that can, so that the only things that cannot be shaken will remain. You know the only thing that can't be shaken? Jesus. He's the rock. Matthew 7, Sermon on the Mount, ends with this very thing. The ser on the Sermon on the Mount, most powerful sermon ever given in the history of mankind. And here at the end, the last thing he talks about is that you're going to build your house on the rock. Yeah. Why? Because storms are coming. Yeah. And people think, well, this is where things are preached, where it's like, no, I'm, we're going to be safe. We're in the safety zone like, you know, he's, he's got us. We're not going to go through the storms. Wrong. Every single one of us are going to go through the storms. But guess what? He overcame everything. He overcame every storm. He overcomes the things of this world. And he makes us overcomers. Not that we skip the storm. Not that we get out of it. But that we actually go through it. <coughs> yeah, chime in. Um, you guys know that we have different personalities. So I, I share in a different way than he does. So um, 
oftentimes I'll be, we, our hearts are totally in agreement and I just kind of um, hear things and speak things in a different way. So there's different personalities in the room and God is so good to, to use us all to speak to one another. And, and my heart, so that you fully capture what, what we're sharing and what, what Mike's sharing right now is um, some of the why and what, what we've been walking in. And, and we have been pressing into the Lord for the past, well, for a long time, but really for, for this morning for a, a number of days. And we really felt like the Lord wants to sort of set the tone for the coming year and, and help us be in that place of be prepared. And so what you're going to hear from us as Mike's sharing, as I'm sharing, is um, a little bit of that what we're hearing from the Lord, what he has said in the past and how that's sort of growing as we go forward. Some of the stories that you'll hear are going to be really good examples to help you know like the how-to and, and how have we seen that happen in other people's lives like Reese Howells. We really feel like there's a weight from the Holy Spirit on the life of this man that, that sort of gives us a, a broad cast of what we as a church family are actually already in the beginning stages of and what we're moving into. So you're going to hear some of that. And then um, you're also just going to, we're going to try to share uh, my heart, and, and you guys know this about me, is, is how, how do we continue forward? And Mike has some of that. I have some of that in my heart. And so as you hear us, um, I want you, I'm trying to set that table so that you can take in what we're sharing and that no heart misses it because we share very differently and I know we all hear very differently. And so I feel like there's um, a real importance to what we're saying and um, there is, um, for all ages, I see so many of our students in here and our young ones and um, our spices, our 55 plus and... and our, my heart is that we all... I'm only a couple of years away. <laughs> he'll be spicy soon. Uh, but, but just that um, there is a weight on Mike and I to help you hear what we are hearing so that we all, hit, like he said, that we all go together. Um, and so I just, I just kind of want to lay that, that groundwork really quick um, because there'll, there'll be a lot, and I feel like we can move quickly, and I think we will. And I, I don't want us coming from different places of knowing the Lord to miss some of these things. Okay? Yeah? That's okay. Good. You're with us? You guys got to talk back. I look for it. You know that. Okay. Got to stay awake. All right. So all right. that's what I felt for right now. That's all I am. That's good. No, that's good. So let me just jump back into Isaiah 43. I feel like I'm going to hit that. I know I can kind of kind of go off on different tangents there but so it's forget the former things don't dwell on the on the past and then he says this see or behold I'm doing a new thing and so these are these are the new things that he's actually doing um, I think the other thing we think sometimes is oh when these shakings hit like that's the enemy I'm like no that's actually the hand of the Lord the enemy actually works in the midst of it and so when the Lord shakes the enemy will absolutely try to bring in fear in those moments. And so he is working. The enemy doesn't stop working. But the hand of the Lord is the one who's shaking things and setting things. And he's actually setting things in a new order. Um, but we, we, so anyway, so be aware of that. See that I'm doing a new thing. 
Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Two things that do not make sense at all. You don't have, you don't have a way in the desert and you don't have streams in the wasteland. Uh, and then I'm just going to jump down. It says this. This is, this is the verse that caught me here. And it says, yet, this is in verse 22, you have not called upon me, O Jacob, and you have grown weary of me, O Israel. And I felt the Lord just highlight this. Uh, there's a scripture in, uh, in Galatians 6, 9 and 10. It says, do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, and that word is kairos, at the proper season, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And it says, therefore, we, it's, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those uh, who belong to the family of believers. This is, this is, I think, so key. Andrew, what was the name of the, or the title of the message? Now and Not Yet. Now and Not Yet. It was such a good message of, I think, a lot of times we can hear things and we're like, oh, I've heard this before. Yeah, I know there's a shaking coming. Yeah. Um, do not become weary in these things and, and kind of go, well, I'm just going to kind of go back to my own ways. No, this is, this is not a time to do that. For when things do happen, they're going to happen in the suddenlies. When in, in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, it wasn't like, okay, I'm coming, coming, got five days, five more days. No, it was, they're in there, they're pressing in, they have no idea what's happening, and boom. That was a season, a kairos shift to a season that happened right then and there. And there are going to be these times where things are going to shift overnight. And, and it's not a time to prepare yourself then. It is a time to be prepared now. Yeah, I kind of think of it like if you're about to have a baby, you don't know exactly the minute that you'll go into labor, right? But you're always prepared. Like over the break, we watched Father of the Bride, which is such a cute old, old movie. But there, he's so nervous that the baby's coming, right? And um, there's just this idea that, that you stay in a place of preparedness. You know it's coming, but you don't know the minute or the hour. And that's what we feel right now. There's this season that we're in that... We should now be in a place of we are prepared. Our bags are packed. We're ready to go. We can walk out the door at any minute and say yes to the thing that the Lord is doing, but, but we don't know exactly the minute or the hour that that's going to come. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So don't grow weary just because it hasn't happened yeah, Don't this grow minute. weary. Yeah. This is the time, like, stay alert. Be alert. Be aware of the things that are at hand. And this is, I, I want to encourage you, like, this is where we need to press in to the Lord. Um, we're talking about this, like, this a litmus test. Uh, I wrote something down on this. Um, I don't know where. But, but in the season we're in, how you're going to know is, is, and I've seen it in people's lives. I've seen it in my own life where I'm like, Lord, I surrender all. You know, we sing the songs. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden something happens and we're like, <laughs> and we're freaking out and we're fearful and every, like, everything comes in and, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, you actually didn't surrender all. Like, no, you're holding on to things. For example, like one of the situations would be your job. All of a sudden, you know, boom, you're, you've lost your job and 
the first thing to do is freak out, right? Ah, what am I going to do? How are we going to make this happen? Like, and the first thing we should be doing is, okay, Lord, you knew this was going to happen. I'm set in you. My job is not just to make money and to have a job. My job is to be obedient to you and do exactly what you're calling me to do. So you're my provider. You're the one that's going to take care of me. Lord, what do I do? And then when he says, I want you to go work over here and and clean windows. You're like, I rebuke you, Satan. Lord, what do you want me to do? (laughs) I think... Sometimes we have a preset expectation before we even ask the Lord of what we want, that it's like you're thinking a promotion from the world's perspective. And I would be careful of that because I think the Lord actually will will humble you to actually position you for what he's calling you into. We're going to have to get over ourselves in this. One of the things the Lord is doing is he's removing pride from his church. And that's in every area. And I can tell you, in the marketplace, there's a lot of it. Because it's like those that are leaders in the marketplace, and like that's their position. And so they think, well, I'm successful. The success of heaven has nothing to do with the success of earth. Two totally different, different kingdoms. And so this is where Jesus is like, you know, they're going, hey, we're going to follow Jesus. And he goes, well... Uh, what does it say? Birds have nests, foxes have, have holes, but man doesn't have a place to rest his head. He was homeless. This was a man that did not live in a, in a Jesus didn't live in a great big home and, and have it all. And like everyone was like, wow, you're amazing. Like you've got everything. And that can, that's that twist sometimes of like, and it's not about being poor and it's not about being rich. It actually has nothing to do with that. It's about being humble. So, okay, so quickly, we've got a lot to cover. I know I'm going, I feel like I'm going slow here. Sorry, love. Um, Let me just, there's a couple things. So we were feeling that there's a a shift that's happening. And the shift means that where we think we're going is not where we're going. Uh, And then the acceleration as well, saying things are going to move at a pace that we're not used to. Um, and, and it's kind of like, if you take it like a vehicle, if you're in second gear and you get on the highway and you remain in second gear, you're going to have a lot of angry drivers, right? People are going to be beeping at you, giving you the one-way sign to heaven, all these like lovely things, because you're going to be going down the highway at 35 miles an hour. And it's like, no, this is a 75 mile an hour zone. And, and I, this is where I feel like the Lord is saying, you're going to have to make a shift. And when you make a shift, if you have a manual, you actually, you put the clutch in, you go into neutral, you have to take your foot off the accelerator, the direction you're going, and then you shift into a new gear, and then you begin to press. And, 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 and I feel like the Lord's saying, he's going to be moving at an accelerated pace. Our job is not to move ahead of him, it's not to stay behind him, it's to move in step with him. So if he shifts, we shift. If he goes left, we go left. If he goes right, we go right. But this is that heads up, I'm shifting. I'm shifting gears, and I'm about to accelerate. Yesterday afternoon, actually, I got it at about 5 o'clock, but it came in at 3.30 yesterday afternoon. This is just like the confirmations that I'm like, oh, I just started laughing. Um, 
this was a friend of ours. He goes, he's part of the 400. He's a pastor. And uh, he, he said, the Lord spoke to me over three nights through dreams and confirmations so intense that I could hardly stand it. So in a period of four days of writing and seven days till completion, I have wrote and published this book. The name of the book? A Great Shift, Get Ready for Acceleration. <laughs> this was yesterday at 3.30 in the afternoon that I get this. And I was like, here's the thing. I mean, I, we should go, yeah, obviously. The Lord is, the Holy Spirit is speaking, and he's speaking to everyone. And, and I have heard Tim Sheets, I got, I got a, there was, Tim Sheets is the brother of Dutch Sheets, and, and he's, he's a prophetic voice. And, and I was just, somebody had sent me something, and then I watched it, and then after it, this thing on Tim Sheets popped up, and it's called The Shift. And it was from like two weeks ago. And, uh, and so he, I'm like, okay, Lord, I get it. You're, you're, you're saying some things here that we need to be aware of. Uh, and then we just got these words, um, and I'm just going to hit these quickly. Uh, this is from an apostolic council of prophetic elders. If you don't think the Holy Spirit's, that God's still speaking today, I just encourage you, don't get offended, but read the scriptures and I can show you places. But God is actually still speaking today. Yeah. And he's speaking to his people, and not just through prophets, uh, but there are, there are prophetic voices, there are those that, are, like, that have the gifting of the prophetic but we can all hear the Lord, and you should, we should all be hearing the Lord. Uh, but I honor those that have that prophetic gifting. Uh, I also check everything that I hear with the Lord. Every prophetic, every prophet can be off. Every single person can miss it. I can be listening to my wife, and I hear her talking, and I can miss what she said. She might have said one thing, and I thought she said something else. It's not that I'm trying to, like do something different from what she said. I just misheard her. And so sometimes even in the prophetic, things are misheard, misunderstood, or added to. I see that a lot. Like somebody, they'll get a prophetic word and they'll take it, but they'll be like, ah, oh, there's got to be more. And then they'll add to it, <laughs> which actually can pull things off track. So, but in that, I also like, I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are, there are prophetic voices. And the, when you hear one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and they're all saying the same thing and they haven't been like coordinating together. You go, okay, there's probably something on that. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Yeah. So these are the things. This was a group, a large group of prophetic uh, like council that came together from around the nation and, and they're saying, Lord, what are you speaking in this season? And so just some of these things, one of the things is about Psalm 23, that this is a very significant passage for the days ahead. Uh, where the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, this was something just two weeks ago that the Lord had put on our heart and I shared about Psalm 23. Confirmations to what the Lord is already speaking. Things that we need to press into. Things that we need to go back into. Uh, uh, Christy spoke about the good father uh, just uh, on the 18th of, of December. Here this word comes out. It says God is going to reveal himself as the good shepherd to us. Uh, there are some things that we need to be aware of that, uh, that he is revealing himself in new ways. The good shepherd actually has a rod and a staff, by the way. Uh, and so he corrects. And, and I think a lot of this good shepherd is actually correcting the church in the season and bringing him into an alignment because of his love for us. Because he loves us so much that he's not like, well, those sheep, let them go, whatever. No, he's going to actually like kind of prod them and bring us back into an alignment in this season. Um, 
Gosh, there's so much. I'm going to skip through a lot of it. Um, but another thing was in this, uh, in kind of this global reset, um, this was one of the words that was spoken, that the uh, great exposure of corruption will take place across the earth during this global reset. Man thinks that he is resetting the nation, but God is an overarching, has an overarching plan, and he is working, that he is working out behind the scenes. So I think when we see all this shaking and we go, oh my gosh, what is man doing? I can tell you, God has a bigger plan. That's right. And what man is going, ha ha, it's that, you know, in, in Psalm 2 where it talks about like, uh, you know, they're, they're laughing at the Lord, and, and, but then he laughs back, and I never want the Lord to laugh back at me. <laughs> uh, he is, he's got a plan. We don't have to be in fear. We need to be in alignment. Amen. That's the goal. Uh, just the last few things. The, uh, one of the, this has been something, spirit of offense. There is a spirit of offense that has been loosed on the earth in this season. This is not a low-level type of spirit. It's a high-level spirit. And God is working in the hearts and minds of believers to be unoffendable. But there is a testing taking place to see whom God can trust to steward this coming great move of God. There are, there, and it says pride will be a stumbling block. And it's a root of offense. It's, it's something that you get offended because your root's in the wrong place. It's not grounded on Christ. Some of the things we have are grounded on other things. And so these should be red flags to us that when there's a fence that comes up, when something, oh, how could that be? How could they treat me like that? How could they say that? They didn't respond to me, whatever it is. I can guarantee you I am going to offend you. But I love you. Mm-hmm. But do not be offended in this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that spirit of offense is out there. And, and there's something that says... Um, it says, even those who feel that they cannot be offended are going to be surprised at the level of offense that they are capable of in the coming days. That's that. Be careful when you're standing strong not to fall. I won't get offended. I am so close to the Lord. And then, boom. <laughs> right? Do not allow that spirit of offense to come in. Do not allow pride to have any access, any foothold in our lives in this time. Uh, this is something we've, we've got to uproot. Um, that, and then with the ecclesia, which is the church, they, this was one of the uh, things that it says, the understanding of the ecclesia is going to cause the local church to shake off old wineskins and to move into seeing the establishment of apostolic centers. Great spiritual authority will come into manifestation and these centers will become discipleship centers to heal the nations. One of the things you're going to hear probably over the coming months and that we're moving into is uh, a new understanding and a new way of discipleship. Um, And I would would encourage you, if you want to join us, we're going to actually just go into this uh, and begin to kind of step into this in a greater way um, on uh, January 9th at 7 o'clock. It's a Monday night. We're going to just meet over in the chapel. and, uh, And we just feel like the Lord is calling us into into a greater understanding of discipleship. And here's why. Because we need mothers and fathers in this season, spiritual mothers and fathers, to raise up sons and daughters. There are going to be a lot of new believers. When, when there's a revival that hits, what are we going to do with all the babies? Yeah, let me, let me just speak to that. 
on this. Is that okay? Yeah. This is, if you want, um, we don't usually talk about books, but this is the Reese Howells book. There's one that's a study guide that I bought incorrectly, so don't buy that one. You want the one without a shadow of a person on the front. So you can learn from my mistakes, right? Say thank you, Christy. <laughs> I'm a mom. Uh, but what, what I wanted to share is this story. Um, some of these similarities that we're seeing, um, some of the things that you will see in the Jesus Revolution movie of what it looked like, where there was a, an offense that came over the church, a religious spirit that came over the church in that day as the Jesus Revolution or Jesus uh, people movement was happening. Um, we see a similarity in the Welsh Revival and that's in this book and they speak to it. And um, one of the things that it speaks to is... Um, just this place where the biggest conflict that they had was not that people weren't coming to know the Lord, was that there weren't enough what we would call mothers and fathers to actually see them through into a solid place of faith in the Lord. So they would come in and they would come into a meeting or they would, they would encounter the Holy Spirit, they'd come to this place of repentance but then they, they would drift away because no one could come alongside them and help them dive into what does it look like to walk with the Lord, to know the Lord. And he, they said it was one of the biggest travesties, one of the biggest losses that happened in the revival was the loss of new believers. And so we really feel like the Lord is putting this burden on us to say, what, what does it look like for us to step into, learn from that mistake of the earlier revival? That was in like 1905 time. And what do we do to learn from that? One of the messages that was preached by Reese Howell's reverend or pastor was this concept of, um, what is it, the three, the three positions is what he called it. Yeah. And he said, for example, imagine that the, the, the family of God or just the world is shipwrecked or a group of people are shipwrecked and they're cast into the water. There'll be those that are, are in this place, and we use his term, they're, number one, they're struggling in the water, fighting against the waves, and their need in help. They need help for themselves. So you can imagine this, right? I mean, we've all, well, anyway, there's movies, but anyway. We're fighting, <laughs> fighting just to survive, right? But then there's the next phase. And step two is the clinging phase, where there's believers, and, and this is all a spiritual example. There's those that have found a lifeboat, and they're hanging on. They found Jesus, but they're hanging on with both hands. They're just trying to stay afloat. They've got it, but they're in no position to help anyone else. But then there's this next level of faith, where it comes to resting faith, where that now these people are those that have climbed in the lifeboat. And their both hands are available to reach out and help people back into the boat, whether it's people hanging on or people that are just trying to survive. And that's what we feel like the Lord is calling us to in this season is that we, as the family believers of the Rock Church, are meant to come to this place that we're in this resting faith, that we have both of our hands open and ready to grab on to new believers or grab on to non-believers and say, let me get to, you, to this place, to this lifeboat, the very thing you're looking for, the very thing that's going to keep you from drowning in this world, I want to put you there. And then we help them get in and we help them get strong. And then they're ready with their two hands. That's discipleship. And that's what we're called to. But it's a beautiful, quick example of what we feel like the Lord's asking all of us to be in position three so we can help positions one and two. Amen? Okay. 
Can you read that part of Reese Howes that talks about the... Yeah, oh. Reese Howes. Oh, the author is Norman Grubb, G-R-U-B-B. And it's called Reese Howell's Intercessor. It's yellow. It helps me to see the picture. <laughs> I don't know. I forget names and titles, but pictures stick. Which yeah. part did you want to read? The... Uh, about the nurses. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where okay. it is, though. I'll look for it while you talk. Um, by the way, yeah, we felt like as we were we're kind of pressing into this book, there were some things in there. We feel like it is, it's, it's going to help us in this season as a roadmap. Uh, Reese House lived a life, a life that was laid down. Uh, it was, he, was, he lived a full surrender, uh, fully surrendered life. Actually, I'm going to have you read, if you can read the other one about uh, um, on page 53. The giving. Yeah. 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 So this is a, I'm going to just set the stage real quick. These stories are longer than what I'm reading, but um, Reese Howe's Lord's was really challenging. He says, the Lord wanted to touch my pocketbook. And so he's going to give an example from his own life of how he's coming into a consistent step after step, surrendered yes to anything the Lord's asking of him. So we're in that part of this stage of his really very young believer's life. He's only, I feel like, about 26, 27 based on some numbers that are given, not a lot of numbers. Yeah, and real quick, this guy, the name is that, that you'll hear in here is Jim Stokes, and the- I was gonna share that, yeah. Oh, you're gonna share that? I'm not that. gonna read it, but I was gonna start. Oh, okay. Yeah, you okay? Go. Yeah, he was, um, so he, he was a very um, ill repute, as they say. He was a drunkard, he was a um, very dangerous person, and the, the sort of phrase in this village where he lived is that if this gentleman, Jim Stokes, wouldn't do it, then the devil himself could not do it. And he was so low that he did, he went so low and so desperate. And Reese Howells had this passion to reach this man. And he prayed and he said, Lord, I will do anything if this man could come to know you. He's so far gone, he knows good preaching, he's heard things, but he, he can't be reached. And so we pick up the story, it tells a little bit about him, um, and it says that the Lord burdened Reese Howells to begin to pray. And not just pray, but intercession pray. There's a different level of like, I don't know, digging really deep and really focusing on what the Lord's putting on your heart. And it said at 10 a.m., the Lord burdened Reese Howells to pray. It says, um, he, he, he quite unexpectedly, this is his language, this picture of this man stood before him in prayer. And then, uh, let me see, can I read this part? It's a little bit of his language that's difficult, but follow with it. So this is 1905. Reese says, I had never before known such a conflict for a soul in the spiritual realm. For an hour, it was much as I could do to allow the Holy Spirit to pray through me. I saw the devil attacking this man, and that if the devil could get him back, it would be one of the best things he could do to counteract the work of the revival. I saw that it was a conflict between God and the devil for a soul, and I told the Lord I would do anything if the Lord would keep him. So, and now there's the narration. That very evening, there was a man at the door to see Reese. He had never had a greater surprise. It was Jim Stakes, this very man. 
He had come a distance of two miles because he said that while he was working in the mine that morning, at 10 o'clock, Reese Howells had, quote, stood before him. He had a vision. It was that very hour in the morning that Jim Stakes had stood before Reese and the burden of prayer had come on him. Are you in trouble, Reese asked. He was indeed. He was two years behind on his rent. And that morning, the bailiffs had marked his furniture. This man had a family and children. And they were coming to fetch him, his things. Two years rent, that was a lot of money. After a moment's hesitation, Reese Howells said, I'll give you one year's rent, and I have a friend who I believe will give you the other half. He went upstairs to fetch the money, but before he reached the top, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. Didn't you tell me this morning that you would give all you had to save him? Why then are you only giving him half? Did not the Savior pay all your debt and set you free? Reese Howells turned and ran down the stairs and said to the man, I'm sorry I told you I would only give you one year's rent. I am to give you two years' rent and all you need beside. He says, I am to deliver you in such a way that the devil cannot use this situation to get at you any longer. It, it's, it's this place that the Lord's asking us to come. And I want you to catch something in this story because there's a key for all of us. But young people, we've talked about this. He's hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's in the word. He knows the word. He's being obedient by hearing the spirit. And the spirit's connecting with him saying, it's time to pray. And his obedience says, then I will pray. And because he prayed, there was a connection that the Lord was able to make. And then in his moment of like, I'll do anything, he said yes, he said yes. But in the struggle, he was waning, right? You saw that. He wanted to give half, not all. But he was allowing himself in obedience to be convicted by the Holy Spirit in the very minute and quickly said, no, I meant to give it all. And I feel like that's what the Lord's walking us into is this, this walking with the Holy Spirit, knowing his word, knowing when it's him, letting ourselves like, whoa, wait, maybe I made a, a mistake. I'm going to be convicted by that. I'm going to say yes to what he's doing. I'm going to walk in the way that he's calling me again, get back on track, right? It's not that we're perfect, but we, we're quick to say yes and be corrected too. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if you could also go back to page 37. Yeah. And that's the, I just want you to hear this about spiritual mothers and fathers because I, I, this was one of the major issues at the Welsh Revival is that there were thousands of people that were coming into the kingdom and it actually became a real problem because they didn't have the, the spiritual mothers and fathers. They didn't have the wineskin, the structures in place. And they, in, in a sense, they were not prepared in that way for what the Lord actually wanted to do. Um, yeah. Did you find it? So it says, this is in the midst of revival. It says, whole congregations were melted and people were crying out in agony of soul. What must we do to be saved? Multitudes experience the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse all from sin. But the real problem arose as the revival proceeded and thousands were added to churches. There were mere children, he calls them children, born that were, and there were, there were more children born than were, there were nurses to tend them. I'm sorry, I said that poorly. Let me say it one more time. There were more children, new believers born, then there were nurses, what we call mothers and fathers, to tend them. 
The establishing of the converts became the greatest need, which if not met would be the most dangerous weakness of the revival. Yeah. So part of this shift that we're feeling is the importance of all of us, that the part that we're to play is, it's not just our relationship with Jesus, um, it's actually the, the commission that we have to be disciples uh, and then to make disciples. And, and I believe the Lord is looking for a people that will do this in preparation for what he wants to do on the earth. We've heard the billion soul harvest. Uh, there's a massive harvest coming on this earth. And it's already, it's already happening in places around the world. Uh, you may not see it right here in Castle Rock, but it is happening around the world where there, are, there is a harvest. There's a harvest in Iran. There's, there's things that are happening even in the, probably in some of the most, uh, in the areas where there's uh, the most persecution right now of the church is where we're seeing the greatest harvest of souls. Um, but we have to, there is a preparation in the sense of being mothers and fathers that we need to know how to raise up these sons and daughters. When, you, when there's a baby that's born, you don't go, well, you made it into the earth. Good job. <laughs> like, no, like they're a, they're a newborn believer. You see this uh, when you, the sower and the seed, you see these like so many, only the last one. There's these like different four examples here. And, and the last one is the one that there was good soil uh, and in that one, there was, there was, there was a, a fruit that a hundredfold, 30, 60, hundredfold uh, um, fruit that was, <laughs> what am I trying to say? Harvest. A harvest, yeah. But on a lot of the other ones, there was a choking uh, that, that kept it so that, was, so that the seed was unfruitful. There was some where it was snatched away. And, uh, and I believe, you know, we look at that and we go, well, I hope they make it. This is, this is the calling on our life is to, to bring them from that rocky soil to that fertile soil. Yeah. That's why we have mothers and fathers to raise up sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. and, and I think we're seeing a lot of even just new believers in these days, in these times, where they say yes to Jesus, and then they like, that's it, they fall away because they just have, they have no one to walk alongside them to teach them the ways of the Lord, to say, uh, hey, we're going to walk together in this. So... So this is part of, I feel like, a new shift. It's like, shouldn't even be a shift, but it is a shift. Uh, a new mindset that, that has to take place. And it's not a side thing. I think a lot of times in churches, we're like, oh, we have our discipleship class over here. This isn't about a discipleship class. This is about a way of life for every believer, for the ecclesia, for the church to walk in discipleship that everyone is called to be a disciple maker. You might not be ready right now, but you should be getting trained up right now if you're not ready. And then you'll be ready, and then you should be raising up others that maybe aren't ready so that they can raise up others. And when we see a discipleship-making movement actually take hold in the earth, uh, we're going to see a massive shift. Yeah. We're going to see an army raised up. Uh, and it's not going to be a bunch of uh, people that are tossed and turned by the waves any longer. It's going to be those that are actually strong in the Lord. So I think I'm looking at the time, guys. But, we got um, hours. hours. What are you talking about? I think <laughs> if you want to go into that last portion that you wanted to read from the book. In the, okay. Um, but <laughs> what, what I feel like, what, what our takeaway, if, you, if you've missed some of what we said or, or you got really tired... Here, here's our heart 
is that there's prophetic words going out and, and the Lord is syncing up the church globally here in Castle Rock, regionally, nationally, all those different places. So pay attention to that. Like, don't, don't miss the signs of the time, right? Be, let's be alert. Um, the other thing is that we really feel like, and we've known this, that, that this house is an equipping and sending center. So we are meant to be um, more than just a house of God, but we are actually meant to be um, something that meets the needs of the community, some place that... Um, sends people out to do the work of the, the word, whether it's our young people or our olders or our middles or our business people, whatever that is. But we really feel like in order to do that, there's, there's a more ask that the Lord has and we don't feel like there's a lot of time to wait for a response. So we don't feel like he's, he's in a position where he's leaned back going, you know, I hope that you guys respond to this next, next ask I have of you. What we're feeling, and Mike spoke to, is this place of acceleration where he's saying, it is the time to lean forward. We're going into fifth gear. We're going 70, 80, 90, and it's time to say yes right now. You have to respond now to the ask of the Lord so that you're getting rid of these things in your life that were tolerances before, what we call is like when you're going at an accelerated speed and you have one tire that might be a little low on air. If you go to high speeds, you can feel the effects of that. That's a problem then. And what the Lord's saying right now is that, well, let's address some of these last minute problems. Let's get these in order because the speed is going faster. There's not time to wait to say yes. And so what we feel that is this the, the how-to, what my, know, my mind is always going, well, Lord, then how do I do that? I, I have a heart to say yes, but I don't know the how to say yes. And what we really see in his example of his life and what we have seen in many amazing believers is that it comes to this place of more surrender. It's, it's a total yes to the Lord. It's, it's a saying of like, then I, I will say yes to whatever he asks. And we don't always see the ask in the word. It winds up with the word, but the ask might come more personally to me as Christy when I'm raising my kids, or it might be more personally to me. What does it look like, my daily routine? How does it need to shift to say yes to what the Lord's doing in this season? And that's getting rid of those minor things that are inhibiting me from going faster and further and in the fullness of what the Lord's asking. Does that make sense? So now we're coming to this place, and Mike's going to just close with this part, is this, this place of surrender. And you're going to hear this very personal conversation that Reese Howells has with the Lord and how it pained him and that he came to this deep understanding of the cost of saying yes. If we say yes to something and we don't know the cost, we're not really saying yes. If I sign up for the military not thinking that it will cost me my life, I really haven't fully signed up because I could get to the battlefield, hear a gun, and turn the other way, right? But if I know in advance that it's going to cost me everything, once I've said yes, there's nothing that can come after that that can make me say no right? So you're going to hear this in, this in this excerpt, and our heart is that, that we don't do a quick response, that we don't, oh yeah, I wanted to, like, you will hear the struggle, and let us also have the same struggle in our hearts, and it's individual. I can't turn to him and say, I don't think you've struggled with the Lord on this. You need to say, you know, there's a few things I'd like you to talk to God about. No, I have to do this for myself. 
I can't do it for my children. I can't do it for my family. I can't do it for my parents or my youth or any of that. It's me and the Lord, and the Holy Spirit is going to convict me in those places. So I really, if you have disengaged, re-engage right now and hear this last part of this, this beautiful open heart that we get to hear, and, and, I, and I, I hope and I pray that it speaks straight to your heart as it spoke to ours when we read it, because we feel like this is the how-to in the next season. Let me just say one thing before we hit that. Uh, one of the things Reese Howes is he was in this coming into this place of unconditional surrender. He said something that I thought was really powerful. He said he, he got to the place where he got to the end of the resources of man so that the Lord could position him for the unlimited resources of God. We do not serve a father, a heavenly father, that is looking for us to, to be depleted of everything and to have nothing. We serve a father who is so good, who has good gifts for his children. Heavenly blessings that he has. It says all heavenly blessings for us. And, and we're called to rule and reign on this earth. But he will take us to a place of the end of ourselves and when we get to that place and we become fully surrendered to him, then he can actually use us the way that he needs to use us. And if, he, and if we don't get to that place, the problem is, is when, when there's blessings that come, it can actually become even more detrimental to us. And it can take us down. So realize that we serve a good father. And I think this is the part I feel like uh, a lot of times, I know Todd White says this, he goes, when you... When you squeeze an orange, what do you get? Orange juice. When you squeeze a Christian, what do you get? It's a good question. Do you get Jesus or do you get us? And when we come to the end of ourselves, when we get to that unconditional surrender, then we've come to the end of ourselves. When you squeeze me and I have fully surrendered to the Lord, and there's nothing of me that comes out. It's Jesus that comes out. And this is the place I feel like he's calling us to. So as we close here, is Marcus, are you in the room? Or? Oh. Um, I just want to, we're going to just play some music. And, and I, I'm going to read something, actually, that was an invitation. We were reading this yesterday, and I felt like, I said, Christy, I feel like we're supposed to close with this. Like, this is the invitation for us. And, uh, and I'm just going to ask you, we're going to have, we're going to just take communion. If you guys can maybe just open that up and work. So we're going to just close with communion. And I'm, I know after that, uh, you're welcome to leave. Uh, I would just say, you're welcome to leave anytime. <laughs> but uh, I would love for you to stay for this part, to, to just come into this place of surrender. And for Reese House, the Lord actually put a time frame on him and said, I'm giving you till this time to make this decision. And we might theologically go, well, the Lord would never do that. Like, his grace is sufficient. Like, stop thinking in terms of us and putting God in a box because he'll do what he wants to do. And I, and I look at it, we were talking about it, and I was like, yeah, the Lord was probably saying, I'm putting a timeline on you because you need to make a decision because I need you in this time. I need you now. I don't, you can't make the decision two years from now. My spirit's moving now, and I need you to make the call. 
I need you to surrender now. Took him five days, I think, five days. Because this was no small thing. This was not a, yeah, Lord, I surrender. No, this was, are you ready to give it all? Are you ready to lay everything down, even to the point where it costs you your life? For maybe someone like Jim Stakes, who was one of the most evil people at that time, and it was like, and you're like, well, I can't lay my life down for that man. Like, I'll lay my life down maybe for this person over here that's helping people, and yeah, I'll, I'll do that, but why would I do that for them? Like, that doesn't make any sense. This is an unconditional surrender where it's no longer about us. It is truly all about him that when we do get squeezed and we will get squeezed, that there's no more pride in our life, there's no more offense in our life, there's no more things in our life that, that come out at the, that, that time, but that it's truly Jesus that comes out, it's his love. What's the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace. What if when you're squeezed, in the midst of being squeezed, in the very times when the storms are at their very worst, that the greatest love comes out of you, the greatest joy, the greatest peace comes out of you. That's what the Lord is calling us to. He's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done. He's done it all. He surrendered his life. He's, he's laid his life down. Philippians 2 says that, that he, he, to the point of death and on the cross, and then it says, and the Lord lifted him up and made him gave him the name above every name, that every knee would bow. And it was all for the glory of the Father, back to the Father. And now here we are to live in that same way. And Jesus says, if you're gonna, if you're gonna hold on to your life, you can't have any part of mine. There is, here's the thing, there is no both and. And I think this is where the church sometimes tries to get to, is I want to walk with Jesus. I want to lay down my life to him, but I really like the things of this world. There are things in this world that, 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 that I'm drawn to. And he says, you have to lay your life down. You have to pick up your cross and you have to follow me. And, and I think it, it's a different position than what we hear most of the time. I, let me just read the scriptures and then I'll I'll give you the invitation here. In 1 John 2.15, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. Anything. If anyone loves the world, says the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting, the pride of what he has and what he does, does not come from our Heavenly Father. It comes from the world. The world and its desires will pass away. Every love and every desire that you have that's, that's grounded and rooted in this world right now, it's going to pass away. When the shaking happens, it will go down. The great job, the the finances, your 401k, all your savings, everything that you've built up, the nice home, the uh, whatever it is, but you know, the, the planned like retirement that it's all going away. That all ends, you can't take any of it with you. It says, but the man who does the will of God will live forever. 
the man who does the will of God. It's in, that's that Matthew 7 where Jesus was saying there's two. There's the foolish builder and the wise builder. The wise builder was the one that put it into practice. He actually does the will of God. A lot of times we think, well, I just, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to sing songs. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray every day. And then I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. I love the Lord. And I'm telling you, there is no, there is no both. You can't, you can't, it says you cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. In Revelation, it talks about the lukewarm person. It says, and I will spit you out of my mouth. I'm not trying to create fear or I'm just, this is a reality. Jesus isn't looking for those that are, that are just saying, yeah, Lord, I'll, I'll serve you on Sundays and then I'll see you back on Sunday again. He's looking for those that will do the will of God, that will live their lives sold out for him. There is a full surrender that I believe he's calling us to that is scary, but it's not because we know how good our father is. And I think if we don't know how good our heavenly father is, if we don't know how good the shepherd is, then it is really scary because who you don't, you're not going to live your life down, lay your life down for someone that you don't trust. But if we can lay our lives down for Jesus, if we can understand how good he is, how much he loves us, what he's done for us, I think it makes it a much easier way. So let me just take you into this. And, uh, and then we'll take communion together. Actually, I'm going to just ask you, when we do communion, this is going to be just between you and the Lord. So you're not actually doing it with anyone else. Uh, and you may not be at the point where you're ready to, to give this full surrender. Don't just do it. Don't just go, okay, yeah, I, I surrender. No. I want this to be something that really comes from the heart. Again, it took Reese five days to get to that point in agony. He was sweating. He was crying. He was on his knees. Said over those five days, he lost eight pounds. <laughs> he was fasting. He didn't eat a thing. It was an agony to get to that point to go, okay, it's yours. My life is really yours. And then you will be tested, I promise you. You will be tested in it, just as Reese was multiple times. There will be a testing of your faith. And that's okay. And if, here's the good part, is God is so gracious. And even when we like, ah, I messed up, like, no, I, I surrendered, but then I came back and I held on to this, and the Lord's like, that's no, okay. I'm gonna walk you back into it. You're gonna come into that place of full surrender. But he will take you into that place. So. Beware, when you say, when you do this, things could shift. And I hear a lot of people say, oh, the enemy's attacking me. I like, I, you know, I gave my life to the Lord and all of a sudden the enemy's attacking me. No, he's actually stripping you of all the things of this world that you no longer need. So that you're not trusting in the things of this world. You're not trusting in horses and chariots, but you're trusting in him, in him alone. Let me just say, right before he reads this, this point in Reese Howell's life was he had accepted Jesus and he knew the Bible. 
and he went to church. So this happens after all of that is in place in his life. He is not new to God at this point. Yeah. Jeremiah 17, this I feel like is, ties right into this. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. And it will not fear when heat comes. Its leaves will always be green. They will have no worries in the year of drought and they will never fail to bear fruit. This is the invitation that the Lord ha- or that the Holy Spirit had for Reese that I believe is for us today. As the Savior had a body, this is the Holy Spirit speaking to Reese House. As the Spirit had a body, so I dwell in a cleansed temple of the believer. I'm a person, I am God. And I have come to ask you to give your body to me that I may work through it. I need a body for my temple, but it must belong to me without reserve. For two persons with different wills can never live within the same body. Will you give me yours? But if I come in, I come in as God, and you must go out. I shall not mix myself with you. (laughs) It's a strong invitation from the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Reese, Reese responded, and he says, he made it very plain that he would never share my life. I saw the honor that he gave me an offering to indwell me. But there were many things very dear to me, and I knew that he would not keep one of them. The change that he would make was very clear. It meant every bit of my fallen nature was to go to the cross, and he would bring his own life and his own nature This is the unconditional surrender. So Lord, as we close and as we start this new year, January 1, 2023, Lord, I thank you for the invitation and the opportunity to step into something that is painful to the flesh but it's the very thing we're created for. Oneness with you that looks like you, not like us. Lord, I thank you that here's the difference is that old covenant, new covenant, we actually have the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and to lead us into something that could not happen under an old covenant. Lord, I thank you that as we take the body of Christ, you. As we take you in, you were broken for us. Lord, I thank you that that we actually, we let go of our own body and we take hold of your body. 
We take hold of what is yours and we let go of what is ours. We let go of our own flesh. And then there's the cup. It's the cup of the new covenant that's in the blood of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this cup. It's a cup that not everyone is able to drink. It takes a surrender. The blood of Jesus is the most powerful thing on the face of the earth. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But it requires that we say a full yes to your ways, that we would walk in your ways. Lord, I thank you for the cleansing from ourselves that we take on your DNA. We take on your blood. Your blood becomes our blood. It's a new DNA. We're no longer of ourselves, but we're of you. So Lord, there's an invitation I know that you have for every one of us today. I thank you that as we, as we, as we go, as we take communion now, Lord, may we by your spirit, by the strength of your spirit, walk into the fullness of an unconditional surrender so that we can walk fully in your ways all the days of our life. In Jesus' name.